When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Martin. Such assertiveness in their play. What a ball by Mane. Chance to Another big statement in the title race as Liverpool demolished Manchester United and a result that for a short time propelled them to the top of the Premier League. So are they hitting peak form at the perfect time? And of course, it's an Anfield derby up next. It's the Red Agenda. I'm Steve Hothersall on today's pod. Simon Hughes and James Pearce. We've got to start by talking about that Manchester United result. 9-0 on aggregate. Uh, Remark... (laughs) <laughs> what are you laughing about, Simon? It, it, yeah, I know it is 9-0 on aggregate, and, and it, I can understand why people are talking about it, but nobody ever speaks about football in this way unless it's Man United, do they? Let's face it. It's the perfect way to talk about it, isn't it? We'll never get to do it in this way again, 9-0 on aggregate. It's perfectly understandable. I, I put it on my Instagram post, to be fair, so I'll be hypocritical to, uh, to contradict what I've already put out on social media. He's laughing at his own journalism. Look, James, I know yeah. that you will feel that's a remarkable result over two legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite hard to believe, isn't it? When you think about, certainly in, in my lifetime, how much how much time has been spent looking up at Manchester United and, and thinking, you know, are Liverpool ever going to get back to that kind of level? To, to, to witness the two games this season and to see the gulf between the two clubs... In pretty much every possible facet as well, I think, you know, on and on the pitch, off the pitch, you know, the, the leadership, the recruitment, the mentality, the attitude, the quality, you know, you, you know, it's certainly not been through a lack of finance that Manchester United find themselves in the mess they're in. They've just squandered extraordinary amounts of cash during a period where Liverpool's recruitment has been, you know, absolutely remarkable. And um, yeah, I think the the amazing thing was that you know, I think even during Liverpool's kind of darkest days in the in the 90s, when United were the dominant force, the, the games were never as one-sided the other way as, as we've seen this season. I mean, I, I was genuinely quite worried going to Anfield the other night because I thought, surely United can't be as bad as they have been. I thought, you know, surely there'll be a response to that that humiliation they suffered at Old Trafford at the hands of Liverpool around this season. You know, they're, they're still going for top four. You think, you know, surely they'll show some fight and come out and... And at least ask some serious questions of Klopp's team, but it was so embarrassingly one-sided. And if Liverpool hadn't decided to clock off for the first 20 minutes of the second half, I think it would have been a hell of a lot worse for United. Before we get into the football, I, d- I just want to talk about something that I think set the tone for the night. And that was Jamie Webster being played out just before the Premier League theme tune. Did you notice this sign? And the crowd went absolutely mad about it. And... For one minute, I thought they had him playing live in the ground somewhere. They, they didn't, but it seemed like the perfect storm of put Jamie on. The crowd went wild. Premier League theme tune quickly sort of merged into it. And then you'll never walk alone. 
And it just felt to me like it, it set the tone for the start of it. Well, so I, I'll be honest, I, I was in the main stands having a, having a pint and I could hear people obviously in the ground, like the, the noise was getting louder. So I wasn't actually in the ground when that happened. I, I, I walked in right on the kickoff. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's great that, I mean, uh, Jamie Webster's actually, you know, part of this Liverpool story, isn't he? When you think back to 2018, uh, sorry, 2017-18 and the sort of the, the mood that his music created around the city and around the match going culture at the time. And I'm, I'm absolutely made up that he's sort of going his own way as well now and creating his own identity because I think that's important. I think his, his music's absolutely brilliant. But um, I just thought from the very first minute, I mean, Liverpool scored in the fourth minute, didn't they? And from that point onwards, I just thought, well, Liverpool are going to win this 4 or 5 nil. I actually think Man United were worse than they were at Old Trafford, despite it being one uh, Liverpool won by one goal less. But... Liverpool were irresistible, deserve all the credit coming their way. Thiago, incredible. I'm sure we'll talk about him more later. Uh, United, I mean, they're a, I'm trying to think of a way of describing the team and the club, but they're a relic to, to excess. You know, a warning to, to other clubs about who think that just having loads of money and big popularity will mean that the good times keep rolling. And in some ways, possibly a little bit of a warning to FSG as well. If they ever think that, you know, we cracked it now, you haven't cracked it. I know they're totally different owners to to the Glazers, but if you if you just think that you know that that you can spend a load of money and, and keep the good times rolling, then you're wrong. I mean, Man United's commercial side of the business, Liverpool have closed in on that. They're getting much closer. I think this suggestion that that they can just keep you know the conveyor belt of cash running through the club and eventually somebody will crack it and United will become the team and the club that they once were again, is 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 not entirely true. Um, I think a lot needs to happen there. So, I mean, I, I put a few comments on social media about sort of the state of play. United after the game and one or two people saying, why are you writing about United? It should be all about Liverpool. But it's obviously inevitable that you're going to compare the two clubs because there are great similarities between the clubs, the, the huge rivals still. And as James says, I mean, Liverpool are so far ahead of United on every every possible level really at the moment there's not a single Man United player that I'd have in that Liverpool team I mean they're not the only club that you'd say that about in the in, in the Premier League but we're talking about Man United here I mean I'd say there were players in the Liverpool team in the 90s and that maybe some of the more difficult parts in the 2000s where United were still ahead of Liverpool where you'd say well that Liverpool player will get in that Man United team they're just sailing aimlessly at the moment, and I think it's actually a miracle that that they're um, they're competing for the Champions League. To be honest, um, I mean, if they get into the Champions League, it'd be a major achievement for a club that doesn't really have a, a permanent manager, doesn't have sort of the quality of players or the strategy or the identity that some of the clubs are competing with. I mean, I, I think big win for Arsenal last night at Chelsea. By the way, I think that puts a lot of pressure on United now. Yeah, the gulf is massive, isn't it, between Liverpool and Manchester United? We, we've spoken on this pod for the last few months, James, perhaps about the standard of the Liverpool performances and saying they're getting the results but weren't always playing at their best. But in the last two games, are we starting to see Liverpool rise to their best for this run-in? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's the most exciting thing because um, you know, it is that time of the season where you know the, the kind of energy levels, it would be understandable if they were starting to dip with the certainly understandable if the pressure was kicking in the nerves were jangling and it was all about scrapping and grinding out results but I think you know what what is so exciting about the last two games especially is when you look at that first half performance at Wembley the heights that Liverpool scaled against Manchester City 
and then to go and dismantle Manchester United in in that manner the other night, you know, they just look they just look so strong, don't they? And I think that does a hell of a lot for belief in Klopp's squad, and and also is bound to you know set doubts and 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 concerns in the city ranks with what's at stake in in the next month or so because you know Liverpool have got this amazing momentum at the moment and when you look at the depth of talent and you know Touchwood at the minute almost a fully fit squad obviously just Firmino missing with a minor foot injury the other night he's just got so many options hasn't he and I think Klopp deserves massive credit for the way in which he's rotated and and given players a breather when he can I think he's picked and choosed incredibly wisely and now we're in this situation where you know we're in the latter part of April and they've just got so many influential elite players who are operating at the the peak of their powers and um you know I think that was absolutely epitomized the other night by the front three picked all scoring and assisting in the same game you know that's only happened twice in the Premier League all season once was against Manchester United at Old Trafford and and the other one the other night and then you know behind them You've got Thiago producing performances from a from a different planet at the minute. So yeah, the the spine of the team right through to you know Van Dijk and whether it's Matip or Canate alongside him and you know and even you know probably get get overlooked a little bit because of the manner of the scoreline. But again, Allison I thought was was immense. You know even though the flag flag went up the other night when he made that double save at two 0 you look at the replays back and and he was on site. You know VAR that would have. That, that would have been able to stand. And how many times has that happened since Christmas? You know, games that ultimately Liverpool have won at a canter. There's been really big moments at 1-0 or 2-0 where Alisson has, has really stepped up and delivered. So, um, yeah, there's just so much at the minute, isn't there, to um, to enthuse you. On the front three, just, just a, a brilliant selection. Obviously, Diaz, Mane, Salah. They're combining so well. Diaz has slotted in straight away, hasn't he, into the system. He's got this understanding with the team and with Annie Robertson on the left-hand side. And then he gets another goal. I think we're going to see a lot of goals from him next season. But already we've seen a goal left-footed, right-footed and a header from him this season. He's a bit of everything. I think he's been a transformative signing really this season for Liverpool. Not just in terms of his goals and, and what he's given the team on the pitch, but just in terms of... You know, sort of the buzz initially that, that was created by his sign and the fact that it was unexpected and the variety of options that Liverpool now have in attack. I mean, I, I expected Firmino to start the other night, you know, after, you know, he's, he's had a decent couple of weeks in terms of performances and goals, but obviously didn't. And now it just gives Liverpool so much depth. I mean, one thing maybe Liverpool have lacked at certain times earlier on in the season is that sort of base of pace and that, that speed that maybe they've had you know, in years gone by, you know, let's be honest again, you know, Salah, Mane, all getting a bit older, playing slightly different roles. He's given them back what they once had again. Let's face it, defenders just don't like fast forwards running at you, which he, which is what he does. He makes, you know, the other team commit and allows other players to draw into the space that he's left behind as well. So a major, major sign, a major moment in the season. I think if Liverpool were to go on and, and at least even win some of the trophies that are available, that'll be looked back upon as, as a key moment. I mean, he's already played outstandingly. I, I, I felt in, in the, the League Cup final at Wembley, you know, to go in and play a cup final and give that level of performance against top quality opposition you know, on a day that really matters, says to me that, that, you know, he is a real player. This is not just like sort of a six-month period where he does really well and then maybe tails off. I think he's he's going to be 
you know, that part of the one of the first choice picks in Liverpool's attacking lineup for for quite some time. And you know, the, the goal the goal that he scored against United was was an example of his understanding of where to be as well. Just a, a simple finish and and getting into the box at the right time and holding his run and. It just set Liverpool up for what was an excellent performance that they won at a canter and possibly even managed to reserve a bit of energy for the challenges to come. So that was a simple finish. Uh, Mose wasn't. And the, the move which led up to Mose's first goal, special stuff. And he needed that goal, didn't he? Or he needed the two goals, James, because all of a sudden he's in a different frame of mentality. Yeah, that by far and away, that was the biggest positive of the night for me were, you know, the, the, the double that, that Mo Salah helped himself to. Because I think, you know, as, as good as Liverpool have been and, you know, and, and this, this amazing run they've been on, I think it has been just that that nagging concern, I think, in the back of a lot of people's minds. And, you know, it keeps on coming up with every Klopp press conference. And, you know, I think, and, and to be fair, Klopp has, you know, been very consistent with saying that, you know, the you know, Mo's all-round contribution he was more than happy with. And, you know, of course, there's bound to be a bit of mental and physical fatigue from, you know, what was it, six lots of 120 minutes he played across kind of January, February, March, if you include the World Cup playoff. But, you know, I, I think I think it was a it was a worry just because you, we know what Mo Salah's like. You know, it's, you know it will have been preying on his mind. You know, he, he lives to score goals and when it's not happening for him, you can see his body language on the field does change and his decision-making isn't quite as good at times because he's so desperate to get get that drought finished and get going again. And for someone of his calibre to go, I think, what was it, his last 11 games for Liverpool before the other night, I think he scored three penalties, no goals and open play for two months. That is crazy when you think of, of just how good he is and the team he's playing in. That felt like a big moment because he's also the kind of player that goes on scoring runs. I think that's the other thing now. It kind of it's not just what those goals did for him the other night, but you think what would that do for Liverpool in the in the coming weeks? Yeah, you know, Liverpool have produced some spectacular moments this season, but I think that you know they'll do well to score a better team goal than that that second goal. You know, what was it? Twenty five passes, everyone involved apart from Van Dijk. You know, from from front to back, back to front again. You know, they toyed with the United and then it's just such intelligent, you know, confident attacking football, isn't it? Joel Matip, you know, again, the unsung hero really in terms of just that ability to to surge forward with the ball and ping that first time pass into Sadio Mane. And, you know, we talked about Sadio on the pod earlier on in the week, didn't we, in terms of what a priceless commodity confidence is in football. And, you know, we've seen that with with the way in which he's taken his goals recently. And, you know, it was there with that first time pass because the way in which he swept that into Salah's path was just exceptional. And then it was the Salah of earlier on in the season with the close control and the ice call finish. And um, yeah, it says a lot about Salah's mentality that, you know, certainly after the game when he did his TV interviews, he wasn't wasn't so much enthused about the two he'd got. He was kicking himself about the one that went begging late on because he, he felt like he should have had a hat-trick. But um he can save the hat tricks for another day. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. 
Now, don't forget, if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can read everything about Liverpool, all those superb articles that the guys do, if you head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. It's a pound a month for six months at the moment. Theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. You won't regret it. Let's swoon over Thiago, what he's about, what he's produced. I saw in the Echo they gave him 10 out of 10 for his performance. You have to have something special to get a 10. I don't know whether that's right because United, let's face it, weren't at the highest quality level. What Was it a 10 out of 10 for you, Si? What you said, was he in Doyle on match ratings? Yes, I think he possibly was. Very strange from Doyle. Um, well, he doesn't give 10s, yeah. does he? He doesn't give 10s. He's a very hard man to please. I think it's his first one ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think he gave Balotelli a 10 once, didn't he? <laughs> oh, that's everything about him then, doesn't it? Um, it was an amazing performance, but he, he's been doing it for several weeks now and building up to this. And When they signed Thiago, I, mean, I, I was really excited. I was thinking, you know, this is the sort of signing that, you know, that gives Liverpool that little bit of edge and, and something they haven't had before. And obviously his first season... There's no other way of saying it, but it was a major disappointment. I mean, it, not all his faults, of course. Everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong, both for him, for the club, for the team. Just just a really bad experience. But you can just tell now his confidence is, is off the scale as well. I mean, football does come back to confidence and belief in your own body. And, you know, he's making sliding tackles, getting the timing right all the time. His positioning was excellent. I mean, there was one little back heel that he did towards the end of the first half, which... I mean, it was taking taking the piss, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Which I thought that, that there might be some repercussions for that. But Man United being in this form, um, I mean, I saw obviously Roy Keane was in the studio. I'd imagine if that had happened against a Man United team with any substance, there would have been some sort of marker placed on Thiago's head in the second half. But obviously that never happens. But yeah, he, he's just been he's just been out of this world the last couple of weeks, and he was unbelievable against Man City. Against some of the you know the best players in the world, obviously plays against a team that that's not anywhere near Man City's level and and completely dominated his area of the pitch against them as well. So as long as they keep him fit, as long as he doesn't pick up any. Well, that, well that's the biggie, isn't it, Sai? Because he is someone who has had been a bit injury prone in the past. Yeah, if if, if he if he stays fit, I mean he's going to be absolutely mega between now and the end of the season. Because it's not again, it's it's obviously what he offers the team in terms of the yeah, sort of different range of passing and, and his vision but I, I think it's also his leadership really I think he he seems to be a very good sort of squad player if you like sort of somebody who the other players look towards excellent in the dressing room very sort of humble guy seems to me you know and, and he's involved in, in what's going on at Liverpool and has, has been there and done it you know time and time again at Bayern Munich Barcelona you know there aren't many players in world football at the age of 30, 31, who are playing at his level at the moment, who has that sort of personality and character and experience who can still contribute at the, at the highest level. So he could be invaluable. If they keep him fit, uh, I just think between now and the end of the season, particularly when the, the going might get tough, you know, in certain games, when Liverpool need somebody to, to sort of put the foot on the ball and pick a pass, if a team's defending deeply against them, he's, he's going to be very important. And I, I'm just... When they signed him, I was I was a bit gutted that obviously there weren't going to be any crowds to be able to watch him play and for the crowd to feed off him as well. You know, you, you can you can feel that now when he when he when he got substituted, the you know the the ovation that he got was I haven't seen many like that in in the last few years. And I think that it's a strange crowd, Liverpool, because it does value hard work and efforts and courage. And 
there haven't been many players like Thiago that have played for Liverpool, you know, over the last sort of 10, 15, 20 years, you know, maybe there, there are very few players like him at all, you know, in terms of what he offers, in terms of that vision, he's, you know, he's, somebody sent a text message to me the other day saying about, would you choose Thiago or Alonso, you know, in terms of what they offer, and I do think they're different players, but it's that sort of thing that, that he, he gives, that, that, that sort of, he sees things that other people don't see. Yeah, so uh, it's just a pleasure to watch somebody at that sort of stage of his career delivering the sort of performances that that you, you've been hoping that he can, and these performances arriving just at the time that you want them to arrive. As you say, the the evasion was absolutely brilliant for him, wasn't it? There was a concern, James, that he'd injured himself, but in fact, he just ripped his shorts, hadn't he? At one point, I don't know whether he was. I think the fans thought he was just doing a style thing by tucking one short leg right up to the top, but they were ripped. <laughs> Yeah, that was a, a bit of a moment of, well, initially a moment of concern that turned into one of comedy because um, I was looking at, at the time, actually, Klopp and Pep Linders were deep in conversation on the touchline, talking about potential substitutions. And then I think, I think Thiago had stretched to um, to make an interception. And then when he got back to his feet, he was kind of holding the back of his, the back of the kind of his his leg. And, and immediately I thought, oh God, you know, you, you hope he hasn't felt it a twinge in his in his hamstring and I think that was what Klopp and, and Linders were trying to get shout across to him to to check whether he was okay and you know and, and immediately Pep Linders shouted Naby Keita down the touchline you know get back here get you know get your top off you're coming on and then when he did when obviously the board did go up Thiago looked a little bit bemused and then yeah in the in the conversation that followed it became clear that he was saying oh no no my leg's fine it's, it's just the shorts that are ripped but yeah what can you say about that performance the other night was that one of the best individual performances, James? Do you class yeah. that in a different level of individual Anfield displays? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I'm struggling to think of too many more complete midfield performances for Liverpool in the Premier League era than than that one. You know, I know people will say, well, it was only United, look at the mess that they're in. But, you know, even when you look at his numbers, what was it? Something like, you know, he, he completed something like 105 of his 110 passes, kind of like 90... Seven percent. You look at you know the tackles, the interceptions. You know he just he, all the all the duels that he won. He just sees passes that other people don't see, and I think that's what makes him so different. And he definitely has a you know there there was a period of adaptation for him in terms of you know I remember someone at the club saying to me that you know he he just needs to learn to play kind of the Liverpool way as opposed to just the Thiago way, and you know that there, there was a little bit of adjustment that had to be done, but. You know, the other big thing for him was always obviously staying fit and, and putting together a proper run of games and touch wood. We're seeing that now. Yeah, he's just such a special player, isn't he? You just get the impression he doesn't change regardless of whatever is at stake. You know, he, he swaggers around, you know, like he is playing, you know, a knock around with his mates on a, on a Saturday afternoon rather than a game that could potentially have massive ramifications for Liverpool's season. And, you know, no one in the Liverpool dressing room has won more in their career than Thiago just that wealth of experience is, is massive. And um, yeah, and you know, there was a great moment. I think it was last season when he scored and he ran to the bench to celebrate with Adrian. And, you know, he explained afterwards that, you know, he has this special bond with the players that don't play, that, you know, he try, he goes out of his way to make sure that they feel like they're included and, and part of it, you know, and that tallies with what Simon said before about, you know, what a great person he is just to have around the place before you even get started on the, the unbelievable array of quality that he that he brings to this team and I think you know I was thinking the other day if Liverpool were playing a Champions League final tomorrow it's not even up for debate is it you know it's Fabino, Thiago and one other 
And, you know, it's and that's a difficult call, I think, at the moment between Henderson and Cater. And then, you know, similarly in that front line, you know, how, what, what, what front line would you pick for a Champions League final if it was tomorrow? Per- personally, I think you'd have to go Diaz, Mane, Salah. But then you've got a situation where Jota, who scored 21 goals this season, misses out. So, Sai, what would your front line be if there was a Champions League final tomorrow? I love what Jota was giving to Liverpool. And I just love the fact that he, you know, his, his finishing is just deadly. But I agree with you. I, th- I think it has to be that front three. And I, I'm trying to second guess what Klopp would do as well. I mean, Klopp is an extremely loyal manager. You know, as we've seen with Salah the last couple of months, I think other managers may have said, you know what, just have a couple of weeks out and not play quite as much. But he, he hangs his hat on people who, who've delivered for him in the past, you know. So Mane has been, we haven't discussed him yet. I mean, is as a centre-forward, I mean, what a season he's had. Since playing centre-forward, I think he's been brilliant. So he's got to play. I think Salah, you can't leave him out because he, as he said before, I think he's... Those goals will be a, make a difference, and I just think Diaz has given us some, given Liverpool something that maybe they've been lacking a little bit. So I, I would probably go with that from three, but it's hard. That that is a hard decision. That's a really difficult, really really difficult decision to make because you've got Firmino who's scored a couple of goals against Benfica and is playing well when he has played. But it, it's just a great great position to be in. I mean, not no other manager in world football has that luxury at the moment um, and I, I think it gets it why Liverpool are where they are you know without the array of talent that he's got up front you know I don't think Liverpool would have won as many games as they have this this season to put themselves back in this position that that front three for me would be the starting front three but I'm trying to second guess Klopp you see I think he leave, might leave Diaz out yeah I think he might like, you might think well you've got Diaz Oh, sorry, uh, Jota and Firmino, who standardly you'd be playing up through the middle. And you don't probably want them both coming on as subs. Whereas if you've got Diaz coming on as a sub, he gives you that extra pace. But then he hasn't performed as well as a sub, you would argue, as he has when he started. So, difficult one to choose. Uh, It depends who the opponent is, of course, as well, doesn't it? I think, I mean, he started with Jota at Man City, who scored and performed well. We're looking ahead to the weekend as well now. Two great rivals back-to-back. Liverpool dismantle United. It's Everton next. I think it'll have just given Liverpool a bit of a taste to go into this one, James, and feel that they could put another humiliation on show. Yeah, yeah. I think certainly that is the, the mission. You know, there are clear parallels, aren't there, with the the, the mess that Manchester United have, are in currently and the, the mess that Everton are as well. You know, t- Liverpool's... Two big historic rivals, you know, so much tradition attached to the fixtures, yet, you know, the, the gulf between them and Liverpool, sorry, the gulf between Liverpool and Everton and Manchester United is is, is huge at the at the minute. And um, you know, we saw that at Goodison earlier on in the season. And I think, if anything, it's, it's only grown since when, you know, you look at Everton's battle to, to avoid relegation. I think they probably will just about get away with it this season, you know, based on the fact there are three worse teams than them. But um, yeah, you know, the, the mismanagement there from the top down in terms of, you know, similar to United in terms of, you know, not for the want of spending money, they just have squandered it. And, and you know, what a contrast to to the, the structure, the, the leadership and the vision and the strategy that, that Liverpool have had. So um, yeah, Anfield would be absolutely rocking on Sunday afternoon. I, I can't wait for it because, um, 
you know, of course, you rewind to the Merseyside derby at Anfield last season, and you know, Liverpool have, were you know completely unrecognisable, weren't they, to the beast they are now? You know, that was during that that wretched run when the wheels had come off. You know, Everton winning at Anfield for the first time this century. That was an empty Anfield. You know, there'll be fifty four thousand inside there with you know huge expectations on on Sunday afternoon and. Um, in the context of Liverpool's season, it's it's huge, but it's it's also I think you know about showing what kind of gap there is between between Merseyside's two big big clubs at the minute. Do we all still think back to Divock's goal, Simon? Has he got to be on? Has he got to be on the bench at least? Well, Definitely. it was the one game where I thought, well, in the past, Ian Klopp's rested players against Everton, hasn't he? And Used the alternatives and trusted them, and they've they've gone and won. I mean, I think about the, you know the five two, the following season where I mean Liverpool could have scored fifteen that night if they'd really gone for it with a weakened team. Just touching on something James said before about uh, I think it was Salah said to Thiago didn't he after the game about the derby? Quite interesting. I thought that because. That defeat to Everton last season will have hurt that group of players. I would imagine you hear you hear players talk about opponents a little bit and games, and I think certain games do matter a little bit more. You know that they, they want to set that record straight on Sunday. I don't, I don't think it's just as simple as well. It's a derby we want to win. I think they'll be thinking about what happened last season. You know that they ultimately in a te- group of players and a team that lost to Everton at home for the first time in more than twenty years. So they're going to want to put that right. And I, I I think that showed in the performance of Goodison earlier in the season as well. I know like Salah's from Egypt, plays from different parts of the world. But was, I just thought it was really interesting that he mentioned that. You know, the derby against Everton, you know, it, it's obviously a different atmosphere and something that he wants to play in. And they'll be really motivated to to settle a few scores. I think particularly based around, you know, the, the game of Goodison last season as well, where you could argue that that really had a major bearing on Liverpool's campaign given the the injuries that were sustained in that game. So although I'm tempted to say the clock might put Origi on the bench or maybe even give him a, a run out from the start, you know, he's managed it pretty well so far by, you know, substitutions as well. So I think Liverpool will have a, a reasonably strong team on Sunday. You know, that they'll be really, really keen to make sure that they, they set that record straight with Everton after what happened last season. And you know, I think I think if Liverpool perform well, it, it it could end up being a similar outcome to what we saw at Goodison because Liverpool are just again similarities between Everton and Man United. I'd say this is, you know, a, a club that has spent a lot of money getting nowhere really. Well, arguably not not arguably that they, they have gone backwards in that pursuit. So I think at the moment they're just trying to get results and and trying to get enough points to stay up, but. You know, if they were to go to Anfield and get a point, a point or win on Sunday, that'd be a much bigger and meaning, more meaningful result for for them than than the win at Anfield last season when there was there was no fans. Although admittedly that does count. So yeah, it's it's a really interesting game. I I just don't think it's a standard Merseyside derby. I think that there's there's just so much riding on this in in so many ways. Everton can't afford to get battered certainly and have the humiliation and the consequences of that humiliation hanging around over them ideally they need to try and claw a point or something so and then you've got Frank Lampard thrown in yeah I mean there's loads of storylines that go around this but I think size nailed it there James hasn't he Everton can't afford to get battered they're probably thinking they're not going to win but it's damage limitation 
Yeah, it does. It does feel like that because I think I think if you're Everton, you'd be worried, especially watching Liverpool dismantle Manchester United the other night. You'd you'd be worried about what Liverpool could do to them on Sunday afternoon, and then the repercussions of that with Lampard. Then the challenge to try and pick them up for the games to come. I think I think probably the, you know the stakes for Everton or be determined a little bit by obviously what happens with Burnley. Um, and, you know they they play twice I think before. Before um, the the Merseyside derby kicks off, at, you know, in, in late afternoon Sunday, so um, you know at the minute they've got a little bit of breathing space there. But if Burnley were to pull out a result, then you know suddenly it became becomes all that much more important for Everton as well. So um, yeah, I think I think Klopp will freshen it up definitely. You'd imagine Canate would come back into the back four, and you know what has he scored three and three at the minute? We know that's not going to weaken Liverpool's back line. Um, you know, I think it's a pretty tough call at the minute between him and Matip to partner Van Dijk. You know, you cater surely will start in midfield, fresh legs after only playing a few minutes the other night, and you know you'd probably Jota you'd you'd suggest or get a start. So yeah, I think he's in a position at the moment where you know I don't think there'll be too many changes, but he knows he can make three or four probably, and and the actual starting lineup isn't isn't any weaker and that you know that is an amazing position to be in at the at the business end of the season right don't forget you can check out james's piece on that manchester united uh, victory it's called liverpool have a squad of 25 formula 1 cars and a once in a lifetime shot at footballing immortality so that's on the athletic uh, right now before we go, we should mention a piece that Simon's done on life after Hillsborough, um, told by the men and women who survived it. That article is on there. Of course, we've just passed another um, anniversary. Some of it's quite harrowing stuff, but I would imagine for yourself writing it, very important, Simon. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, spent a fair bit of time putting it together, obviously speaking to uh, some of the survivors in a, in a group situation initially and then other survivors on a one-to-one basis and trying to basically you know recreate what happened on on the day itself and, and explain to people you know the, the the causes of what happened at Hillsborough and the experiences that the people had in the Leffings Lane Terrace and although you know that that was that word harrowing is being used a few times I just thought that has to be reflected in the piece, unfortunately, you know, to, to make people who might not understand, particularly in an era where, you know, football grounds have largely all-seater stadiums are much, much, much safer than they were, just to give people an understanding of, of what it was like to be in that situation. You know, obviously I spoke to my editors about this and, and I just said, look, I, I think that you can't dress this up any other way. It has to be as it was, according to the people who were there. You know, there's no fluffy ending to this story. It's it's it lives with them, and the, the main thrust of the piece, despite saying what I just said, is is obviously the consequences of Hillsborough. Obviously, naturally, in the aftermath of Hillsborough, a lot a lot of the focus is on sort of the the families and people who'd lost loved ones, and you know, totally understandable. But a lot of the survivors who were in the pen and around the pen as well, you know, lived on with a, a huge amount of guilt and haven't necessarily spoken so much about themselves i think it's part again the, the guilt comes into it i think that they feel like it isn't their place to maybe talk about it because ultimately they did survive but nevertheless it, it's it's had a huge impact on their lives so again you know a, a lot of dark stories and I, I mean i said to them all like i said at, at the beginning my hope was that even if just one person reads that story who wasn't aware of, of, of what happened or 
had doubts about the causes of what happened, reads that and realizes actually that this is a ongoing event for people and then tells somebody else about it, then, you know, from my perspective, you know, that the, the job has been done. I just felt that you can't let this story just ride out now. You know, people still need to be represented. So um, it, it involves a lot of work, but I'm, I'm really pleased that we did it because the reaction to it has been really, really positive. Naturally, amongst Liverpool fans who, who know the truth, you know, that they, they, they've been really, really good. About it. But a lot of other fans of other clubs as well have sort of been in touch on, you know, the comments section in, in the in the articles. And believe it or not, you know, every, I, do, I do go through all the comments and if people are unhappy or, or you know, in whatever article it is, I will always try and respond. It tends to be with more unhappy people. But in, in this in this instance, 99.9% of people, you know, as I say, people from other parts of the world, people from who support other clubs have been very positive about it. So... And the main thing for me as well is is the the survivors themselves, the people who who contributed towards it. I wanted to make sure that they were comfortable with the publication and maybe took a, a little bit of solace from the fact that you know somebody is writing about what they've been through. And I got I got quite a nice email the other day off off a guy who who was um who contributed towards it and and he said he was touched by the reaction to it. You know that he's seen that a lot of people are like wow I didn't realize this really. Um, but of course, we've had a, a, a couple of couple of bad experiences since, haven't we? With with Manchester, both Manchester clubs, with the Man City fans, sort of debasing, or some Man City fans debasing the, the minute silence on Saturday, and then obviously Man United fans singing certain songs. I mean, the battle is ongoing, and I just think the more we keep writing about it, the more you try and keep educating people. Hopefully, that'll filter through eventually. I mean, it, it's it's very hard when so many lies are being written about Hillsborough to win people around. But I think for me, the best way is I understand the anger about it, and I, I was tempted yesterday to write, write you know, an angry piece about sort of why what what happened on the terraces uh, over the last couple of days is is absolutely wrong. But I'd only be repeating what. <laughs> What I, what I wrote three days earlier about why it's wrong. You know, it's, it's just just look at the impact it's had on people's lives. It's it's normal, average people, working class people. It doesn't matter what city they're from. It could have happened in any city, any team. Unfortunately, it happened to Liverpool. But yeah, I, I, I just hope that the people keep reading it. I'll, I'm going to leave it on the top of my Twitter feed. Just, it's free to read. Anyone who's listened to this podcast who hasn't, who maybe is, is curious about Hillsborough or, or is, is unsure of of the circumstances around it. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that this is the go-to piece about Hillsborough. It's not, there's so much written about it, but I, I do, and, and, and brilliantly written about it. I'm re- brilliantly, you know, put on the big screen, you know, that there's so many documentaries that you can, you can find out about what really happened there. But I just hope that this keeps the conversation going and, and makes, gives a bit of empowerment back to people who feel like they haven't been listened to for a long time. It's an absolutely remarkable piece. And if you are going to check out um, one article on The Athletic, I'd urge you to have a look at that one, Life After uh, Hillsborough. Uh, thank you very much indeed for listening to us today. Thanks to Sai and to James. A little bit longer, but obviously uh, Manchester United, Everton to cover off there. Can't wait for that Everton game. And we'll be back with the Red Agenda after the weekend. We'll see you then. Goodbye. Goodbye.